Welcome to Psych in Reality with Dr. T and Dr. P. I'm Dr. T, a licensed clinical psychologist in Los Angeles, California. And I'm Dr. P, a professor of psychology in Ventura, California. Welcome and thank you for joining us. The purpose of this podcast is to bridge our love of all things psychology with our love of all things reality television. Starting out for our first podcast, we're going to recap the newest season of 90 Day Fiance. Welcome back to Psych in Reality with Dr. T and Dr. P. I'm Dr. T. I'm Dr. P. And we are happy to have you join us back again for another episode to talk about 90 Day Fiance the other way. So um, let's just jump right in. It was a lot of things going on this week on the show. And um, I think my couple for the week is going to be Armando and Kenny. Mm -hmm. And I know this is one of our favorite couples that we've talked about. And I wanted to share them this week because I as usual, I um, feel like they have those emotional moments um, that, that come in the show and um, they did not let us down this week. Mm-hmm. So the episode opened up with Kenny and Armando in the car ride, leaving his parents home and they have Hannah with them now and they are headed back to their new home as a family. And so on the car ride, Armando, ask um, Hannah how she feels about Kenny and about them as a, as a family. And she basically says that um, you know, she's happy and that she's excited about having two dads. And the thing that we've sort of talked about before is Kenny doesn't know Spanish. And so he's sort of like- <laughs> Yes, can we just talk about that for a second? <laughs> he's looking like, wait, what's going on? What did, what did she say? What did you ask her? <laughs> like a Spanish language dictionary with him, Google Translate. I don't see him even utilizing that. Like it's it's just literally he's he's like I'm not speaking Spanish. Right. So he may want to invest in one of those translator um systems. Maybe a better one than the one that Devin used, but um, maybe That's that'll true. be something <laughs> that might be helpful for him to sort of navigate um now living in Mexico. So basically um Armando is is translating. Um, back and forth between what she's telling them. And then um, going back to what we just discussed, Kenny was like, you know, I don't know Spanish, so you both could basically be talking bad about me and I wouldn't even mm-hmm. know, which I thought- And he would funny. deserve it too. <laughs> <laughs> which was really funny. Um, but, you know, she was asking as most kids, you know, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And finally they arrived. Um, to the house and she got to see her room and she was excited. You can like see her eyes, you know, Mm -hmm. light up as she was looking around the room. And apparently we find out that this is um, the first time that she's had her own space in her own room. And so it's even more special um, for her. So they get ready for bed because it's late when they get back and um, they decide to do a bedtime story. And Ironically, the book that she chose is about a kid that has two dads. So yeah, um, the cuteness like, factor with this family—it's just on overload. Yeah, it's it's a really touching um, experience to watch watch them as a family, um, and also it sounds like Armando was really trying to prepare her 
uh, for the idea uh, of living with Kenny, you know, because of the book, you know, having two dads, mm-hmm. which I thought was was really nice um, to talk with her maybe about that before she had to live, you know, with them together. So the next day, um, they go out as a family to the market to explore the city. And um, just like most kids, I would say her age, um, Hannah is um, cued by every toy that she sees and she wants <laughs> a lot of things <laughs> at the market. Um, and so Armando gives in to a lot of the things that um, she wants, seems like it, so she wanted um, some bows and things like that, which he asked uh, for some pesos. And then I, you could see, um, you can see Kenny get a little bit upset, you know, that he's sort of given her whatever she wants. So finally they sit to, to eat lunch or something at the market and Hannah whispers to Armando, um, you know, do you want to get me a purse or do you want to get me some extra? <laughs> I like so this like, <laughs> these are your options. Like you, it's not that you can't give me anything. You have to give me one of these two. And so again, Kenny doesn't know what's being said, but he asks, you know, you know, for the translation. And Armando tells him, and then he basically tells Kenny basically tells Armando that she has him wrapped around her finger. And they sort of get into a little bit of a disagreement about mm-hmm. co-parenting. And um, Armando was basically like, if you are going to sort of point things out, you need to sort of say them in a nice way. And so I guess I'm curious about sort of your um, perception, Dr. Page, watching that scene. Like, did you feel like he like had a certain tone to him pointing yes. out? Yes, yes, okay. <laughs> he did have a certain tone. I know he he said, I'm still talking in the same voice, but like, he was making facial expressions. You could tell that he was judging. I felt like there was judging judgment coming from Kenny. Um, personally, if I were Armando, my first response would be, you can give me critiques on parenting when you can say it in Spanish. That's what I would have told him just to stop the conversation. You put in your work and I'll go ahead and make some changes myself. Um, but I did wonder, you know, how you know, what might be some things that would be helpful for Kenny to understand stepping into this role as step, a step parent, because that's something very different than what he's had before his relationship with his kids. You know, he's coming into an already established family, a child that's older and already has a bond and relationship with one parent. So I I think for me, the thing I just want to tell Kenny is you need to relax. You need to slow yourself and slow your role into this relationship and really just spend some time right now just bonding and getting to know Hannah and bonding as a family unit together before getting into, well, how are we going to handle discipline and all those pieces? Although they should have had a conversation about it beforehand. And I think this is going to be a a recurring theme that I'm going to say throughout this episode today is the importance of having conversations before something actually happens. Exactly. And I agree with with everything that you said. And also that, you know, Armando mentioned, you know, this is a good time for you to learn Spanish. You have some time, Mm -hmm. you're not working right now. Mm -hmm. So maybe make some use of this time to be able to go do that. Um, But the other piece that stood out for me as a um, child psychologist who oftentimes works with parents around, managing behaviors and things like that was the fact that 
Amandu mentioned that he sort of has allowed Hannah to basically get her way because her mom died when she was young. And so, you know, he's hanging on to some guilt, I think, about parenting and not wanting to maybe sometimes um, be the the drill sergeant that maybe I think uh, Kenny is probably going to play in the relationship. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it's important for parents to realize that, you know, when things like that happen, that you also have to maintain some sense of um, consistency and some rules as well. And so I think, I don't know, like we only seen a little bit of, of how he responds in terms of his parenting practices, but I think it's important to, to make sure that you do have some, some rules and some discipline mm -hmm. and that you don't let her um, just sort of as, um, I don't know if, if the language that Kenny used was the best, but sort of let her get her way all the time and, and have him wrapped around her finger, I think is the language um, that he sort of used. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a process for, for the two of them. It's just going to take time. What's really nice, though, about them as a couple is I feel like they have a strong connection with each other. It seems to be a very respectful and caring kind of relationship. Right. So I hope that they will be able to have just continued discussions about this. Yeah, I hope so. So I, I, I think, again, they are still one of the couples that has the potential um, to survive the 90 days. Um, and so I'm looking forward to see what happens. Me too. So who is your couple this week, Dr. Page? You know, I had to take it to Ariella and Biniam. <laughs> and it's been interesting watching them as a couple because um, every time Biniam mentions that something is cultural and that it's something that Ethiopians do, mm -hmm. it's something that I haven't heard. And so I check in with my family and then they let me know, is this something that actually occurs or not? And right. oftentimes they've been telling me they have never heard of such a thing. So well, that's I'm excited that you have some uh, insight into some of these things related to, to their to his to Benin's culture in Ethiopia, uh, because mm -hmm. I also like I don't know the culture. And so I'm sitting watching the show like everyone else and like, oh, OK, that's interesting. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to, to, to get your take on it. All right, well, let's let's get started. So we start out with Ariella and Benyam getting ready to take the baby home the baby who has still no name at that point in time. And it turns out that even though Biniam went to the market and got a uh, baby bath and something else, I think a baby bed, he did not get a car seat. And so that was a key thing. And for Ariella, especially in, in the United States, you know, there's, there's laws that you have to have a car seat, you know, for safety reasons, you have to have a car seat for a child. Right. And so that's what she she grew up with and is accustomed to. However, in Ethiopia and many other countries, including countries we've seen in 90 Day Fiance World, there is not a requirement to have a baby car seat. So <laughs> Biniam is kind of like, well, we're just going to go. And Ariella is like, no, we're not going to go in the car. In fact, I would rather you carry my infant child that was just born through the streets of Addis and make your way home right. and not safer. So I kind of had feelings about that because I, and I, I, I might get, I don't know, 
people might have differing opinions of this. I, I think probably if it were me in Ethiopia, I would have just taken the five minute car ride because I would be more worried about him. trip. I just think it'd be easier to trip and fall. Right. Um, and it was interesting when she got into the car, the look that the driver gave to her that she actually that. told her partner to get out <laughs> the car and go walk with that child while I take this. Uh, that was fun. Um, I don't know, like not to cut you off. I don't know if, I would have been as um, calm and agreeable. I mean, I'm a very agreeable person, but I also can be a little bit stubborn. And so I think I would have like pushed back to be like, I'm getting in the car <laughs> you know, in that situation. So we might've had an argument. <laughs> yeah. Or go, you know, go to the market and go buy a car seat or something, if that's possible. Um, but so so we get through that hurdle and they get back to their apartment and waiting for Ariella and Binium is a group of friends that were there with uh, incense and were all happy to see her. And then there was, I don't know if it was a sheep or a goat. To me, it looked like a goat. But I could I be wrong with those animals. A, I think they said it was a sheep, but yeah, I think all it right. was a goat too. Yeah, I, I look, didn't look like a sheep, it looked like a goat. So we'll just call it a goat. So, and there was a goat there and, and Biniam explained that it is Ethiopian culture to sacrifice an animal for a child to have good luck and that this ceremony is really for the mother as well. Two things came up for me. The first was, could he have not prepared her for this? Realizing that this might be something that's not done in other countries so that she might you know, might have a heads up going into it. The second thing I did was call my mama because I wondered as the firstborn grandchild when I was born, if my mother has sacrificed a goat for me because <laughs> at that time she was, she was recently from Ethiopia at that time. I know we were in Greece, but I feel like you could kill goats that way too. Like it would have been able to happen. And the first thing she told me is that there's no such thing. That might be something that he does in his family, but her time and her mother's time, like that was no such thing that you would kill an animal for a baby being born. So I got that cleared up. Yeah, and that and that was sort of, I have this question in my notes too about, you know, do you think he should have warned her? And I think, mm -hmm. I think he should have. Um, yeah. Not only just about that, but to prepare her that there were going to be people at the house when she got there. Cause I think for anyone that's leaving the hospital, like you just want to rest. And so mm -hmm. I think that also caught her off guard when they got back. Yeah, I mean, you know, she had the baby and she had a C-section. So I can't imagine the pain that she would have been in at that time. So I do give, I give Ariella a lot of credit for putting a smile on her face, you know, even though she was smiling and crying at times, yeah. but putting a smile on her face, trying to understand that, you know, these, you know, people were having the best intentions and were doing this in celebration of them. Um, and she was able to hold that smile even when the aunties came and the aunties did what Ethiopian aunties do. They get in your business and they tell you what you need to be doing with your life. So, and I think, they did that. I'm, exactly how <laughs> they did that, the mannerisms, all of that. I was I was just sitting there like nodding my head and saying, Yep, yep, this is real. This is real. You know, there's no acting here. 
And, you know, they immediately start asking about, is this baby going to be baptized? Which Ariella is not ready for that conversation. And so she kind of puts them off a little bit and, you know, says that, well, they say, the priest says that I have to be Christian and I'm not. And, and, and by the way, I remember, I don't know if I had said this on this episode, but I had asked, you know, I'm going to refer back to my mama every time we do this couple. She's but our, I asked, She's our resident expert. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Miss Page, Miss Page is the resident expert. But I, uh, I asked her, "Oh, do you have to? Both parents have to be Christian?" She, she also said that that wasn't something that she was familiar with. And the auntie said that too. That no, you can still a baby can be baptized, you know, even if the mother isn't Christian. So she, they kind of plant that seed, and that of course they'll take care of all the arrangements. She doesn't have to do anything. Right. Um, but eventually, the after the aunties leave, Ariella and Biniam have some time to themselves. And Ariella first finally names the child with a, a beautiful little name, Aviel. So they named the child Aviel. So she got the name that she wanted. And Biniam seemed to be okay with that. And she just ended up relenting. She said, you know, end of the day, I don't believe in this baptism. So it doesn't mean that much to me in this way, as long as they don't push him towards Orthodox Christianity, which is going to happen, girl. I don't know why you think that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to happen. They're going to talk about hell is going to happen. That's just it. But she said, you know, I might as well, you know, let him have this one thing that he really wants, which is our child being baptized. And he's ecstatic. He, he's happy, you know, he's, he's also, he makes this really beautiful comment about how he feels like he has his, his family again, since he, he, you know, things didn't work out with his ex-wife. She, she took his child away. He hasn't seen his child. So that was a, a really nice moment. And, you know, here we think that, okay, things are ending on a, a lovely note, but then automatically next thing we know in the last scene, we have um, Ariella and Biniam taking Aviel to his first doctor's appointment where he's going to be circumcised. And already in the car, Ariella was a bit nervous about it. Um, in the car, we also know, uh, find out that, <laughs> that Biniam seems to be a lactation expert and, and right. in nutrition, <laughs> giving giving Ariella all this extra advice about what she should be eating for the child, which I will bet, I will bet that he's getting all of that information from his sisters and his aunties that are telling him what she needs to do. And he's just filtering it that way. That's where I think that's coming from. But they get to the hospital and the, you know, poor baby has his first vaccinations and you see Ariella is just torn up that you know, her child is hurt, you know, he's getting a shot, he's hurt. This is probably the first time she's seen him cry from being hurt. So it naturally just makes her upset. And then at one point she goes away and comes back only to find that the nurse had taken the baby to prepare him for being circumcised. And she flips out. And I agree with her. On this instance, sometimes I, I think she's a bit much, but I do, I did agree with her. You know, her child had just been born. I would be afraid to have my child out of my sight. You know, someone taking my child somewhere that I don't know them, period. Right. I would get that. 
That being said, I don't think she needed to be as rude as she was to the doctor and the nurse when she did see her child and basically said, I don't want anyone to touch him, including Biniam. She wouldn't allow Biniam to touch him and said, hey, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. And that's that's where they, they ended. She, she didn't say goodbye. She just said, that's it. She's out. She got her kid and left. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how they navigate those cultural pieces because I think like mm -hmm. religion is one of those things that they talk about like don't talk about religion on like a first date or whatever but then as you begin to get serious and you are going to commit to this person and be in a, be in a relationship like those can be deal breakers for people in terms of their views about religion and so I think they're in a situation now where they have a kid together and Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen long term, but they are going to have to navigate, you know, how much of are they going to compromise yeah. or their own um, sort of to be, be respectful to their own religious views. Um, and then as the kid gets older, obviously, you know, allowing him the opportunity to have some free will in that, which mm -hmm. I think her side will be more open to that sounds like. Um, yeah. Inside is pretty firm in terms of what they expect around that. So I think that's going to be um, interesting to see how they, you know, navigate that in the next couple of, you know, episodes, but also in, in the future. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, 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 I believe this is going to be something that will continue to come up for the family. I, I don't think that there's going to be any way that the that the baby can be involved with his family without them bringing religion into it. I think yeah. that would just be really difficult. So she's going to have to figure out what that's going to look like. A good point. So what other couples stood out for you this week? Well, can we briefly just mention along the lines of you should probably talk to your partner about your cultural norms is Devin and June. Yes. <laughs> they, they had an interesting exchange this week. Um, yeah. But I also thought like, you know, when it comes to them having this ceremony that sounds like she gave him a lot of, or she was under the impression that he was gonna do some preparation towards this, but she wanted input. And so I think because of the adjustment to living in <laughs> Korea that they didn't have time to have some of those discussions. So. Uh, it was interesting to see how they differed in terms of like yeah. what they wanted. But also I think the cultural, again, the cultural piece in terms of what's the norm there in Korea when it comes to uh, marriage ceremonies. Well, and also, and not to be too long on this, I still fail to understand why they're spending money on a wedding after they're already married, given that they have already said they have financial problems. Like, it just doesn't seem responsible to me or makes any sense. You yeah, know? that's a good point. Yeah. But I wonder, you know, how much how much is his parents maybe they are contributing or they are paying for the wedding oh. as opposed to him working for it. So that's the piece that did sort of come up. Um, mm -hmm. But I was curious about that because when the parents sort of sat down, it seemed like they may be involved in that. But also, like... <laughs> His, at least his mom, but his dad talked more in this episode, but I think his mom does a lot of that um, decision-making for Ji-hoon. He sort of goes along with it. And so 
um, seems like they played some role in like, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is the package that sort of covers mm -hmm. all of these things and makes it easier for them to sort of be able to, to get the ceremony that, that may be mo most feasible uh, for them. Mm. So that's yeah. sort of how I took it. Yeah. Who else stuck out for you? I mean, I think the couple that from the very beginning, I've at least felt like they had a lot of challenges to work through. I'll use that word lightly, um, is Brittany and Yazan. And so we spent some time last week talking about them and sort of what Yazan is going through. But I think this week, um, I don't know, I was really getting frustrated with Brittany um, because mm -hmm. she, although we now know that the divorce finally is final, so she did share that Thank news. goodness. Um, he doesn't know um, about that, I'm, but I guess that also means that he is under the impression that the divorce has always been final. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the cultural piece there for me was like, she really wants him to like disown himself from his his culture and his identity. And um, she kept making this statement about wanting him to like be his own man and 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 move out of his parents' home and um, basically not let them influence his decision-making. And I can understand on one level, like he does need to make some decisions by himself, but she's not allowing him to hold on to his culture that is really yeah. important to him, which I think is not just his parents, um, and so I don't know what's going to happen with them, but I was getting irritated with her <laughs> and I was yeah. like, you know what, maybe the two of you should just like go your separate ways and call it quits. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. The other thing I was really thinking about when they showed scenes with them is does Brittany have any kind of accurate understanding about Yazan's financial status, not just currently with him being out of work or just now finding jobs, but, you know, she mentioned that she spent, she has had to spend money when she's gone to Jordan. And I wonder if that's because Yazan just can't afford it. It's not within, you know, what, what he can do. And if they've even had that conversation, you know, she says that she doesn't need a yacht, but she might want a really, really large house or something that isn't isn't within his means. And right. so I think that there's just a big discrepancy maybe between that and the finances that it's not clear to me if they've had a real discussion about what that looks like. Right. Um, and I mean, and, and going back to our um, point of the week, I guess, with communication yes. <laughs> is that it seems like they've avoided a lot of these really critical conversations. Obviously like religion is one of those um, for them also but the financial piece, which we know can be a huge strain on relationships. And so obviously, I don't know what the, uh, how the cost of living compares there in Jordan to the, the States um, and the exchange rate and all of that. Um, and so I think like she definitely probably needs to do a little bit of research on her own to see what that is. Um, but also being able to, like you said, understand his financial situation and what they can expect you know in terms of their finances finances um living in jordan um so it'll be interesting to see what happens with them which i think yeah. is a nice segue uh, for the page turner so dr page yes dr turner it's that time in the show 
Yep, it's time for the Page Turner, where we share what we're most looking forward to in next week's episode. Um, what are you looking forward to next week, Dr. Page? Look, I, I am eating my words about Tim and Melissa because more and more I'm looking forward to their scene. And next week, it looks like we we uh, find out that I, I guess Melissa doesn't really get along with Tim's mother. So we get to see what their relationship looks like because Tim's mom is coming to Columbia. So I'm excited to see what's gonna happen. I wonder yes. how the mom will interact with her, um, what exactly they'll do, kind of how that looks. So I'm looking forward to that. Yes. And I think I'm going to stick with Brittany and Yazan um, for next yeah. week because we've they've been, TLC has been sort of dragging us along since the mid-season came back about mm -hmm. Yazan's situation with his family. And so we saw another like um, preview of, of his, I think his brother having a discussion mm -hmm. about, you know, if Yazan does decide to stay with Brittany, um, that his parents or his dad more specifically uh, may put out a hit on him in so many words. Um, mm -hmm. But then Brittany like gives him a call on her way to the airport and we almost see a replay of the whole trip when she was enjoying the first time. They're arguing already before mm -hmm. she even gets on the plane. And so I'm just like, okay, what are we going to get? out of them once they are physically back in each other's presence. Yeah. Yeah, this just makes me go back to, and I think this is what we're both left with with this couple is that we do not see this working out and no one in their lives see this work, sees this working out. So when is this just gonna disintegrate? I feel like that's what, we're moving on this train where this is going to disintegrate at some point in time. Yeah, and obviously for, TLC's production of the show, it has to go through until <laughs> the reunion. So I guess we have a couple more episodes to see <laughs> um, what unfolds between this couple. That's right. Well, thanks again for listening to the show this week, everyone. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Anchor and Spotify at Psyching Reality TV, and also follow our page on Facebook. All right, folks, that's it for today. We'll see you all next week. Look forward to the conversation. Thank you for listening to Psych in Reality with Dr. T and Dr. P. Give us your thoughts. Was it good for you? What other shows would you like to see us recap? Be sure to like us on Facebook and also share the episode. Thanks for joining us and join us next time on Psych in Reality with Dr. T and Dr. P.